91.3 KBCS. This is Yuko Kodama. Local photographer Nate Gowdy has been working on a personal project of documenting the Trump-era political elections, campaigns, and culture since 2015. He's traveled across the country to cover these times and has covered over 30 official Trump rallies. Gowdy was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th for the congressional confirmation of electoral votes for Rolling Stone. The day was interrupted by a mob attack on the country's Capitol building. Gowdy shared his experiences with me. He starts by talking about the walk to the Capitol building. I made it to the Capitol, and then I'm walking toward the Washington Monument. You know, I'm on the National Mall, and it was pretty barren. I think Trump may have either already been speaking or he was going to be addressing his people very shortly. And so I'm just walking at a fast clip. I'm walking toward the Washington Monument where I hear noise. And I come across this contingent of Proud Boys slash militia men, or they're pretty easy to pick out, but they were relatively incognito because they weren't wearing their trademark, uh, uh, the black polos with yellow trim that they usually wear. And so when I asked the leader, the guy leading the contingent, his only quote was back the yellow. So I I really think it was, they were all proud boys, but, but I can't confirm. And now we know why they did that because, because of what they were planning to do the rest of the day. So they're walking the opposite direction as the Trump rally. So I had a decision to make. I can go photograph the people at Trump, or I can photograph this contingent of people marching in formation on the National Mall with very few observers around, and they're chanting F-word Antifa. I started going with them. And if I'd have known what was going to happen later in the day, I would have been a lot more scared. But I photographed them before, and I figured the last thing they'd want to do is, is attack a press member at the start of the day you know, and have that be the story. So I got really close and I I even stood there as they marched past me on all sides, very intimidating, glaring, menacing looks. And uh, I did get attacked. I got threatened and this guy juked at me. You know, I was the enemy. They were calling me Antifa. So they're making fun of me. And meanwhile, they're just chanting F word Antifa to almost no one. It was very bizarre. It made for good photos though. And so then um, I, I went with them for like two hours. I think this is around 10 a.m. And so by around, I'm guessing noon, they kneeled and they prayed. And then I guess it was lunchtime. So they breaked for lunch. It turned out we had marched to a bunch of food trucks. <laughs> so for a while, it was just downtime. Everyone's getting hot dogs. And, and, you know, and I even got one, you know, I needed to fill up. And then uh, after about 45 minutes, they got in formation again, we're marching. So this group of 30 to 50 year old men, mostly, who are, they're fairly militarized. You know, they got helmets, they got, you know, no guns that I knew of, but I did witness when I was close to someone, he was ready and he had his brass knuckle on, but that's how they always dress. The general populace was coming our way. The Trump speech was over and they were merging with the general group, which includes elderly people, children, uh, just 95 to 98% white people. So they merged at the Peace Monument with everyone. And it happened so fast. I still did not know where the day was headed. I thought they were just going to be in front of the Capitol demonstrating. Suddenly, I realized that a barrier to the inaugural stage setup, where Biden will be uh, sworn in, was removed. They breached the barrier. So I was at the front of them. 
And so I stop to get photos of people walking over the barrier. Well, by now I'm kind of in the middle of the front of the pack. And when I turned around, I realized there are more layers of barriers and there's a five foot wall. And they actually use the metal barrier to climb up the wall, which is the intimate part of the inaugural stage. And it's where the congressional spouses would usually sit at inauguration. So we're very close by now. Before I go up over this wall, I hear stuff and they're roughing up an AP photographer. He was wearing a helmet, goggles, gas mask. And he may have had uh, press written on his flak jacket and he's thrown off the wall. And he's trying desperately to tell them he's media and trying to show his AP press credentials. I'm trying not to get too close because I'm, I'm afraid they're going to turn on me next. I don't know what he did for them to, to raise their ire, but because there were other photojournalists around, it was fairly scary because that could be me. I didn't have any protective gear. I just have my, uh, uh, my Leica Q, my little camera, and then I'm wearing a maroon hoodie and uh, I'm wearing a uh, Carhartt beanie. Whereas a lot of people are hostile just by virtue of the fact that I'm wearing the mask and uh, have cameras uh, that look professional. Some of them were helpful. Some helped me climb or get down over a wall or a barrier. Some would make sure I didn't fall, you know, and were speaking to me as if I was part of the uh, insurrection. Moving on, they're fighting the police and there's just waves of people. The first wave would get pepper sprayed and they're also pepper spraying the police, which I've seen images of, but but I was a little further back. I wasn't in the middle of the pepper spray at the front, but it was very windy. So pepper sprays everywhere. And, and I've never felt more smug to be wearing an, a mask. And N95 specifically, barely anyone around me ha- has a mask or is wearing a mask. And, and if they have a mask, they're not likely wearing it. And so they're all choking on tear gas. And, and I can actually breathe. My eyes hurt, but I, I could breathe. To be in a war zone suddenly, you know, to get this part of my story that I've been documenting so long, it's just kind of never, 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 ever would have imagined. And a lot of photographers were closer than I was and more closer to the danger because the rabid ones are in front. And so I'm not exactly in front. So whereas people, you see a lot of pictures of either protesters pepper spraying police or police pepper spraying protesters or shoving each other and trying to get, you know, all the, all the chaos and mayhem and anarchy. Uh, to be frank, I was more focused on the whole overall scene. And so I kind of kept a distance because this inaugural stage, which we're used to seeing so formal and a lot of decorum and etiquette involved and ceremonial, you know, and, and here it was the opposite of that. And so I kind of stayed back and liked to get the overall picture, the, the wide shots. What I found out later was they attacked the other side of the Capitol, uh, the front. I thought I would have been following the whole of the Proud Boys that morning. Well, they were split up already. So another group attacked the front of the Capitol. And so this was all so planned. They had step ladders. They were bringing huge banners over the crowd to get them hoisted up on the portico where Biden will be sworn in. And I forgot to mention when the first uh, barricade was breached and I was taking pictures of people walking over it, uh, I was shoved off a balustrade at the at the base of some stairs. And so a guy pointed at me, and I have that photo, that one's on rollingstone.com, and he pointed at me and then just shoved me. And again, some people helped me. They were like, sorry, that happened. You know, and so there are a lot of normal people in this who aren't, you know, aren't the Proud Boys, and but who were caught up in it and swept up in it. And I don't think they all knew this was going to happen either.
that it was going to look like this. Throughout the day, at one point, I climbed the press riser directly looking straight on to the portico where the president will be elect will be sworn in. At one point, they were blaring, we will rock you by Queen. Just a, <laughs> I don't know. It just, you know, and I heard conspiracy after conspiracy theory, conspiracy theories I wasn't even familiar with being just kind of talked about, you know, and it's all Bill Gates, George Soros, 5G, big tech, um, Antifa. We didn't have cell reception because, you know, it's like being at a concert. There's just a large crowd of people and bad reception. It slows down. So I couldn't get texts out, but I heard it over and over. They thought big tech was silencing them. And basically they will rationalize anything that plays to their victimhood. And they're easily triggered. So here I'm trying to take pictures, but they're telling people to scale this wall. Come on, people, scale this wall and crowd it so the mob could keep pushing forward. So in taking photos, it's a real psychological job where I'm nervous they will see me taking a picture of something that maybe isn't the most flattering or, or you know, maybe someone has just been pepper sprayed and I want to photograph them helping that person by pouring water in their eyes or say someone was helping someone and put down a Trump sign or a Trump flag. And so it's laying on the ground. Well, if I try to take a picture of that, they're going to jump on me. They're very, 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 very easily triggered. And, um, and they're already suspicious of me. And so in taking photos, oftentimes I'll shoot from my hip. You know, I've done this enough that I'm real good at focusing and I shoot at F8. So most things are in pretty okay focus anyway, even if you're off and people know it's a crazy environment, so that's forgivable. Or I would hold my camera up and look in the other directions. So when you're making eye contact somewhere else, they can't assume that I'm taking pictures because it looks like I'm searching for an image, whereas that's when I'm snapping. There were some pictures I didn't take because it was too risky. At one point, pepper spray was thick and I had the beanie over my eyes and I'm just holding the camera up spraying. So I, you know, just doing a full circle, taking pictures of this crowd, everyone reeling for pepper gas. And, and you know, because it wasn't 100% clear I was press, people helped me. A few people had water bottles. And so someone helped poured water on my face, you know, and accidentally got it on my camera and was so, so uh, apologetic over that, you know, and I'm like, dude, it's okay. You know, it's like, you're, you're helping me. Uh, but just about all of them, especially the younger ones, but I think they were all caught up in it were saying just around me that this was the best day of their lives. Because right before this, if you listen to Trump's speech, he told them to do this, you know, bring the fight to the Capitol. And I haven't listened to it all, but I've heard sound bites. And he told them to do this. He encouraged them. And they were saving their country, fighting the good fight in their eyes. You have been around it for a while. You also probably are more familiar than with some of the symbols and some of the, the words and the, the phrases that get used. So what are some of those? They love their Trump flags. And so there's tons of Rambo with the Trump head flags and there's flags emblazoned with Trump and the AK-47, Blue Lives Matter flags. They love flags and they have these LGBT shirts that are Liberty, guns, beer, and Trump. They love playing on what could be considered left-leaning slogans and things. And at the Capitol attack, at one point after it was reported that a, uh, a demonstrator was killed, a woman inside the Capitol, they outside at the inaugural stage, they chanted, I can't breathe. So they love just making fun of and using and incorporating left-leaning um, buzzwords and slogans. And they like to repeat the phrase, 
Trump made it uh, at the uh, debate where he said, stand back and stand by, trying to say, hey, be ready for anything. And, uh, you know, some of the other ones, just a lot of kind of provocative uh, merchandise, uh, T-shirts and stuff. You know, they love their Trump Rambo uh, imagery and which is ridiculous and they know it too and and then they love to like fuck your feelings with trump flicking off with both middle fingers the viewer and it's almost done in the kind of the hope obama poster graphic there was this is a little off topic there was the most baffling thing i saw was there's a canadian flag someone was waving from the top of the overloaded scaffolding at the attack on the capitol and that was, I don't know if they were saying we were going to go to Canada, you know, which wouldn't make sense at all, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with Canada's policies and politics. But, uh, uh, you know, but nothing makes sense at these things. And they'll believe whatever Trump tells them to believe. Okay, tell me what the crowd, and, and this is because I've seen some photos, but it's like a manifest. Well, I think you said it perfectly. It's a man fest, a white man fest, <laughs> who feel like they're disenfranchised and victims. The crowd looks very white. The crowd looks very 30 to 50 age group. A lot of beards, a lot of facial hair, a lot of gators, as opposed to masks. And a lot of times it's not to protect from COVID. It's to conceal their identity. So you've been documenting the George Floyd protests as well. What's your take on the feel between the two kinds of protests? Well, for one, anti-police brutality protests are fighting for civil rights. And the right-wing things I've witnessed are fighting to uphold Trump's lies. Like, there's no, there's no discussion. And so they're not even comparable in the first place. And... As far as the people at these things, um, you know, a lot of people at the protests this summer were not friendly to uh, cameras. Their intent was not to be photographed. And sometimes black block, quote unquote, Antifa, they don't like their picture taken. So you got to walk on eggshells around them. But at the same time, I felt safer. I don't know. I felt well, I felt safer because at the protests this summer, the police were targeting the media as well. My friend, he's a 74-year-old uh, Vietnam vet who is an activist who likes to be out there taking his pictures, uh, video and photos, and he's an amateur photographer. Well, at the protest, I think it was July 25th or 6th this summer, he was shot four times by police. With rubber bullets. Well, when they hit you that many times, that's no accident. They are aiming at you. And he had staples in his head and stitches in his leg, which became infected. And this was from police brutality challenging an old man and who with a camera. And my friend Renee Riccardi, there's video of police just kind of casually underhanded lobbing a blast ball at her, which she lost her hearing in one ear due to that. And she's filed a complaint with the Office of Police Accountability. And months later, the Seattle Times has done more to look into her situation than the, the whole system has. If you have two eyes, you can see that what he did was wrong and that has not been held accountable. And they're like, well, what did Renee do before the video started? She has this all on video. And you know what? It doesn't matter. And second of all, she's a member of the press. And so 
long story short, the big difference is at this, the police were, and I'm glad you brought it up because the police, I, after a year of protests, and, and for much of the summer, there were people who were out there much more than I was. I was working on a book on behalf of Seattle Public Schools that honors the stories of queer and trans youth, families, and staff. And so I missed a lot of the run-up to CHOP, and I missed much of CHOP, uh, but I was out there here and there. And so um, the difference is that, you know, in my own neighborhood where CHOP was, uh, which I documented the last few days of on behalf of Rolling Stone, the run-up to that, the police just terrorized peaceful protesters. And there are pictures where the whole neighborhood is in a cloud, a just giant cloud. And it's, it's tear gas. It was a cloud of tear gas that looked like fog, like from above. Here, they're attacking the U.S. Capitol. And this summer, there were Black Lives Matter protests in Washington, D.C. And they had it totally mil militarized where... You know, it was just way more defenses than they did last Wednesday uh, on January 6th. And they were they had their cape gloves on. I never once felt threatened by them. And a lot of the other people felt emboldened because there was tear gas involved. And I'm sure there's, you know, it's, it's a nuance. You know, there's a lot going on. But it was the most restraint I've ever seen by the authorities in the past year. And and that's not okay. And it's because this crowd was predominantly white. If they would have been people of color, it would have been a whole different story. That was Nate Gowdy, a local photographer who was working on documenting Trump-era campaigns and cultures. His book, Insurrection, will be released soon. To look at some of Nate Gowdy's photos and for more information on his book, you can go to kbcs.fm. For more KBCS stories and to support our work with a donation, you can visit kbcs.fm.